0: no if you want to be extraordinary just add a little extra to your ordinary and when i give that offering to the lord the little extra to my ordinary with christ it becomes extraordinary
1: wasn't it obvious then and isn't it obvious now that if i want fish i can get fish What I need, Peter, are disciples, and I need them forever.
2: All right, everybody, welcome to the Preach My Gospel podcast. We are excited to be back with you today. Brian, welcome. Welcome back to
3: another episode. Thank you, Sean. It's great to be here again.
2: Yeah. uh, We are looking forward today to this episode. We've kind of had a Circled for a while. Um, our guest today is Brother Todd Simmons, who's one of our colleagues here at the Utah Valley Institute. He's a a full-time teacher here. Uh, we've taught with Todd a lot of years in the seminary program as well. Probably known and taught with you, Todd, for a good 20 years or more. Yeah.
0: Yes, probably. Yeah, or longer. Or Sometimes longer. it feels longer. <laughs> Brian and I had a nice rivalry for a while to see who could say the most conservative comment in our meetings, but all is well.
2: Our, our yeah. voice
3: is aligned so well. <laughs> I know. It's beautiful. Yeah.
0: So
2: Todd is, uh, he's an amazing teacher. It's uh, someone that is just really, in the last few years since he's been here at the Utah Valley Institute, has brought a really wonderful voice. One of the things, Todd, that I've noticed about you is your focus on the Savior, Jesus Christ, and how no matter what you're teaching, no matter what topic, it's always about how we can grow closer to, the, to our Savior Jesus Christ and gain power. Todd was uh, recently released as a stake president, served for nine years down in the, the Payson area as a stake president. Um, you are uh, married to a wonderful wife, Stacy, who is uh, in her own right a powerful, wonderful teacher. And then Todd also has five children and as we talk about uh, this, this podcast, which is for the returning missionary, Todd's had uh, all five of your children?
0: All five of my children have served. One's currently still in the Congo, okay, uh, speaking French and having a wonderful experience there. Uh, two of my sons served in the same mission in Argentina. My daughter served in Spain, and my son just returned home in December from Ghana.
2: Okay. And then three of your children are married. Right? Yeah, and all of their spouses have, have served. And yes, so you've really been around about what is that seven return missionaries and one that will be before we know it? Yes, and that's and that's the makeup of your family.
0: Yeah, it's been fun to be a part of the missionary experience, uh, both the preparation as well as to watch them make the adjustments when they come home. Yeah. And you also served a mission. Where did you serve? I served in the Washington D.C. North Mission, okay, uh, which was primarily Maryland and the District of Columbia.
2: Okay, well, for our, you know, Brian and I decided to do this podcast because this is such a such a difficult transition for many to make coming home from a mission and and transitioning into into their new life. And many have said it's it was more difficult than. The transition to become a missionary and so we're just trying to provide all the helps that we can and we invited Todd to be on the podcast today to specifically focus on uh, the house of the Lord and the temple and how missionaries can come home and deepen their relationship with the Savior Jesus Christ through temple worship and one of the reasons Todd as you know we invited you is because when Todd first came to the Institute we were, for the first time, in institute, given permission to actually have a temple class taught in, in the institute. Previous to that, it was always the prerogative of uh, of the stakes and the wards and, and priesthood leaders to direct those classes. And you had experience as a stake president doing that. But then, with you just having serving as a stake president, it was so nice to have you and another one of our teachers. Help to de- develop and refine some curriculum about how we could make this an institute class. So, love to start with you just talking about that class and the sure. nature and what, what exactly this class, which is called Understanding Christ Through Temple Worship, is now bringing to the young adult.
0: Right. Uh, I think that's a, a great way of looking at it. Um, just one thing that I loved is Elder Gong just last uh, fall as he went to was it Thailand, uh, to dedicate the temple there, Elder Gong said this. uh, He said, "'Peace is something that we're all seeking. Purity is something that we value, and we're looking for purpose. The Lord is waiting to meet you in His holy house. We don't go to the temple. We come to Jesus Christ in the house of the Lord.'" Uh, when he said that, I started cheering, and I said, "Okay, <laughs> my students are going to see that," uh, because I think one of the focus of our class is that there's something about being in the Lord's house that matters. Uh, for example, let's just do this. I think it's kind of fun. Uh, Sean, if you'll say to Brian, "I'm going to the temple," or and then pause for a moment. Okay. Okay.
2: I'm going to the temple.
0: And Brian, you say it back to Sean.
3: Sean, I'm going to the temple too.
0: Nice. Now change it from temple to the house of the Lord. Sean, say that and then pause a second. And then Brian, you say the same thing. And then give me your impressions that come to your mind as to what's different with that.
2: So after work today, I'm going
3: to the house of the Lord. Sean, can I go to the house of the Lord with you? (laughs)
0: Perfect. You did such a good job. Now, as you thought about that change, what's different for you?
3: I, I think f- for me, a house is a relationship. It's a place where we build relationships, we bond together. Um, and, and when we incorporate, I'm, I'm going to his house. Yes. If I were to come to Todd's house, Todd makes the great greatest meats I've ever eaten in my <laughs> life, right? So good. I would be excited. I would be thrilled to be going there. I know that that's a place where I have a relationship with somebody. So to me, it invites relationship.
0: Yes. I think when we say we're going to the temple, that's an event or a moment. But when we say we're going to the Lord's house, it indicates longevity in a relationship. And one of the things I think is really important that we stress in this class is that uh, missionaries who have been out serving the Lord uh, and have developed a very powerful relationship in teaching his doctrine um, often come home and they're struggling because they're not feeling that connection the same way. And I think if they could just change in their mind, because the prophet's inviting us to spend time in the Lord's house, that if they could change that mindset from oh, I need to be actively every single day teaching discussions or seeking out the lost sheep, Uh, it really becomes spending time with the Savior in His house with Him, meeting Him there. I love that at the very beginning of the endowment uh, presentation, it said that the endowment was received by revelation and is best understood through revelation. And that revelation comes as we're in proximity to the Savior. We've changed our focus from what's going on in the world around me to actually being with Him in His house. Sean, what was different for you? Um, I
2: I think it's easy to—I'm if just thinking I'm going to the temple, I'm going to a place, going to have this experience. But if I say the house of the Lord, I'm expecting to have my focus on Him. And I'm expecting to find him there. And I think as I as I go through the endowment, I don't just get lost in the, in the details and the structure and the presentation. I'm really looking for the person there. And I'm lo- really thinking more about worship than just about attendance. It's kind of what happens to me as I think about that.
0: Perfect. I love that you said that it becomes worship. I had the experience once as a stake president interviewing a young couple who had Uh, Made some mistakes and they needed to visit with their stake president. And after a few minutes, the young woman looked at me and said, Well, you know, we're less active. And I said, You don't move around very much. (laughs) I mean, I knew what she meant, but I wanted her to kind of just own what she was trying to say. And finally, she said, Well, I don't go to church. We don't go to church very often. And I said, That's okay. I don't go to church either. And she looked at me and said, Well, aren't you the stake president? I said, yes, don't get me wrong, I attend all of my meetings, but I go to worship Jesus Christ. I'm going because I want to improve the relationship with Him. Our sacrament meeting is an invitation to symbolically step into the Garden of Gethsemane and spend time with Christ. If I just call it, I'm going to sacrament meeting, I might leave out the relationship that I'm having with him. When President Nelson actually gave his uh, the correct name of the church talk, it actually changed my perspective on how to see what it is that we're actually doing. He said this, he said, to remove the Lord's name from the Lord's church is a major victory for Satan. When we discard the Savior's name, we are subtly disregarding all that Jesus Christ did for us, even his atonement. When we omit His name from His church, we are inadvertently removing Him as the central focus of our lives. And that was in General Conference in 2018. I think that's the same thing, not just with the name of the church, but in our worship of Jesus Christ. If I'm going to church, that's a place. If I'm going to worship Jesus Christ, that's an experience And as our God, He wants us to have that relationship with Him. And so sometimes I think when missionaries come home, they're looking for that relationship experience. But our cultural language, we've simplified everything to temple, church, instead of spending time with Jesus Christ, worshiping Him, finding out who He is, and receiving the revelation as to What's next in my life?
2: And the physical place, the temple, is a wonderful tool that God has provided us to experience Christ. Yes. Just like the Book of Mormon is a wonderful tool. It's not the end in and of itself. The end of the experience in the Book of Mormon is to experience Christ, and this Book of Mormon is a fabulous tool, and the temple is is another one.
3: I think think I sometimes get distracted. Even I'll say, well, I'm going to go to the temple to do work for my ancestors now that's crucial and so important But the temple isn't just for the dead. The temple is for the living. It's for me and my relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, now that relationship is strengthened in the process of doing the work for other people, just as our missionaries, as they were out trying to help others come unto Christ. Well, they were drawn to him too. But when you think about the temple from the time of Adam and Eve, and we we see temple or or worship there in that way, uh, all the way to Christ, the temple, or the tabernacle or the house of the Lord was for the living. Uh, And sometimes in my mind, I I think, oh, well, no, I'm going there to do the work for my ancestors, which is true, but I think I miss something if I'm not going to connect with Jesus Christ.
0: I think that's a really important point. Um, We're not even keeping up the endowments with the number of baptisms that are taking place. So if it really was about getting the work done, certainly the Savior would make it more effective in the amount of time that we spend. Uh, and the endowment in and of itself, uh, the five covenants, learning the keywords, signs, and tokens necessary to enter into God's presence, really could be shortened down, but it's not about just getting it done. It's about having experience. Uh, One of the classes that we have in this Understanding Christ Through Temple worship class is why do we do work for the dead? Well, Jesus Christ in and of Himself, His whole work was to do things for people they could not do for themselves. If my goal is to become like Jesus Christ and I go to His house, why would He not invite me to do the very work that He does? which is to do work for someone they cannot do for themselves. That's why we participate in ordinance work. The experience in his house is for us, but that's deepened or enhanced when I do the work for someone else. I think a
2: a missionary should be able to understand that, because really the experience of being a missionary out of the mission field was obviously for converts and to, to establish the church and to bring more people into the church. But what also happened, you put somebody into that environment and it completely changes and transforms their life. One of my favorite questions to ask a returning missionary is, tell me about how you feel about Jesus Christ. You've just worn his name on your chest for two years or 18 months or however many months. Um, Tell me how you feel about him now. And sometimes you just see them not even able to, to immediately speak because as they ponder that thought... There was such a depth there. And then coming home, it may be, oh, I don't I don't have that same experience. Maybe I won't stay as close to Jesus Christ anymore. I, I love what you're saying, both of you, that you can have that exact same experience in the temple growing close to Jesus Christ while you're doing something for somebody that can't do it for themselves. So you're just continuing the work that you did in the mission field as you come yes. home.
0: The only thing I would change about what you just said would be I'd change the word from temple to house, house of, the of the Lord. Lord.
2: Yeah, I've got to get that habit. That's and, good. and
0: I don't mean to be no, that's... A, a stickler about that, but for me, um, I had an experience once, well, multiple times, the Lord's repeated it for me, where in a sacred moment in his house, as I was contemplating my relationship with him, the Spirit impressed upon my mind in such a powerful way that this is my house, and I have been in every room in my house. And sometimes we use temple so often that I I don't know that I'm as connected to that word as I am to my Savior's house. Uh, An example of that might be with this. In Doctrine and Covenants section 93, I love the way the Lord is actually highlighting what he said or how John started his record at the very beginning of the Gospel of John in chapter 1. And then the Lord actually builds upon that in section 93, where we get this phrase. And if you've received your endowment in the house of the Lord, you've been there, listen to these words with a mindset of how is the Lord describing what happens in his house? So this is Doctrine and Covenants 93, uh, 16 through 20. And I, John, bear record that he received a fullness of the glory of the Father. And he received all power, both in heaven and on earth. And the glory of the Father was with him, for he dwelt in him. It shall come to pass that if you are faithful, you shall receive the fullness of the record of John. I give unto you these sayings that you may understand and know how to worship and know what you worship, that you may come unto the Father in my name and in due time receive of his fullness. For if you keep my commandments, you shall receive of his fullness and be glorified in me as I am in the Father. Therefore, I say unto you, ye shall receive grace for grace. As I think about worshiping in the Lord's house, are there any phrases there that connect you to the experience of receiving your endowment in the house of the Lord?
3: I like that image of of receiving a fullness of the glory of the Father. Um, in section 109, it talks about receiving a fullness of the Holy Ghost. And when I first read that, I thought, wait a sec! I was baptized. I already have a fullness of the Holy Ghost. But, But as I consistently and continually worship in the house of the Lord, Uh, God can add power into my life. And I I think that that's God's greatest desires. He wants to give His children His power. And that comes incrementally over time as we're consistently living our covenants.
0: I love that. Matter of fact, last January when they made some additional adjustments to the presentation of the endowment, Um, as it explains what you do at the veil of the temple before entering into the celestial room, uh, the instructions include this phrase, and it concludes this, um, you are invited into the presence of the Father and the Son. I feel like that's a spiritual punch in the face every time, and I like it, right? That I'm not just going through the motions to get something done. I'm going through this experience to enter into the presence of the Father and the Son. So if I know how to worship and what I worship, that's the invitation to understand the covenants and the presentation of the endowment.
2: Yeah, and to what end that you may come unto the Father in my name. And so ultimately the goal here is to come unto the Father, and the means by which we get to the Father is through the Son. So if we can come unto Christ, ultimately Christ is then going to bring us into the presence of the Father, which is what you experience every time you go to the t- to the Lord's house.
0: Yes. Um, when President Nelson gave the talk, Your Spiritual Foundation, um, I loved where he said uh, he and the First Presidency are wrestling with how do we take this idea the, of the Lord's house— maintain consistency to all of the world. And and this is what he said. He said, "'Under the Lord's direction and in answer to our prayers, recent procedural adjustments have been made. He is the one who wants you to understand with great clarity exactly what you are making covenants to do. He is the one that wants you to fully experience His sacred ordinances.'" He wants you to comprehend your privileges, promises, and responsibilities. He wants you to have spiritual insights and awakenings you've never had before. This He desires for all temple patrons, no matter where they live. I think that's so powerful that the prophet could have said, as the first presidency, we feel like these are great adjustments. But he actually gives the credit and the ownership to the one who's making the adjustments, which is Christ. You think about that. He wants you. He wants you to understand and to have spiritual awakenings and insights you've never had before. Missionaries, when they come home, they are full of the love of Jesus Christ. You can tell when uh, the worst thing to do as a stake president is to ask a missionary to take his name tag off. There is like you're ripping their heart clean out of their chest. <laughs> I've seen many a tear over that. Yes, there's this moment where they come to the realization that speaking for and behalf of the Lord as a full time missionary, that responsibility is being taken away. But if I follow it up with, there's a worship that He wants me to participate in where He's going to give me insights and spiritual awakenings I've never had before, I'm not finished with my worship of Jesus Christ. Yes, I may have given service for two years as a missionary, but my worship of Jesus Christ, the one that I taught about and learned about and sacrificed for, He's going to be with me in His house.
2: Yeah. Frankly, there are a lot of missionaries get their endowment, receive their endowment and maybe go once or twice or three times and then they may go to a mission. I don't know if your sons in, in Africa got to go to the mission, got to go to the Lord's house very often, but some some go occasionally. Well,
3: I remember our area presidency telling our missionaries, look, the your work is for the living, right? And and they were using that as a reason <laughs> to say, You're not gonna get to go to the temple very yeah. often. You have a, a different focus at this time. So and they're so-
2: they're coming home and And in many ways, after that much separation from receiving their own endowment, a lot of them are coming back and just saying, okay, what do I do? How do I worship? And I I had someone say to me this recently, and I think it's fairly common, and and I'm sure I've had my own moments with this, but wow, going to the temple or going to the Lord's house, I don't really love it. It doesn't do much for me. you know, they go through the experience and they, they don't feel any different as a result of it. Why do you think that is, Todd, that someone could go to the Lord's house and just have kind of a ho-hum experience and, and it actually is kind of a grind to, to think of going back? Where, where's the disconnect? And maybe you've already answered it with all the things you've well, already Well, and Some saying.
3: people will say the repetitive nature of the yeah. ordinances... It makes it so that I just I've seen this. I know I've been it's coming there, next. done that right and and, and might um, make them not want to go as often, if you will.
0: I love both of those those questions, I think are great. And that's really the focus of the class that I teach. Um, the presentation of the endowment takes what? an hour and twenty minutes uh, to receive the initiatory ordinances takes maybe ten minutes. and the ceiling, depending on, how long the sealer talks is just a few minutes as well. And yet we get 22 class periods to dive into uh, what is the Lord inviting me to see. Uh, as far as the repetition, I love it. Uh, because because it's the same so often, I can receive revelation. If I get stuck or the Lord highlights something for me, and my mind catches hold of something small or unique that I haven't seen before, I know what the rest of the endowment is about. So the Lord's really just highlighting for me today something that He's inviting me to see. And if I can draw it that way, then it's powerful. I think of our return missionaries who, they've learned obedience. Uh, there's a lot of obedience required as a missionary. Uh, they've learned sacrifice, they've taught sacrifice, and they've taught the law of the gospel, including uh, to love God and love your neighbor. Those are the first three covenants that we make in the presentation of the endowment. What most of our missionaries, they know the law of the chastity, but perhaps they haven't understood it, that God's given them a power which is limitless, and He invites us to exercise power in a controlled and disciplined way. If He can trust us with a few things, He can endow us with power over many things. It's a beautiful imagery to go, this isn't really about our sexual relations. It's really about, do I know how to control power that God's given to me? I think the family proclamation is a beautiful explanation of just how sacred and powerful that relationship is between a man and a woman. And so if I think of it in that context, I can learn something about priesthood power, uh, relationships, honesty, fidelity. And if I can make those types of covenants and God can trust me with power, then the final invitation in the covenants is to consecrate everything that He gives me. Uh, I think it's funny, because sometimes when I ask my students if they have so much money, they are, don't know what to do with it all, and they all look at me like I'm stupid. <laughs> uh, but the in the house of the Lord, it's time, talents, energy. Uh, I don't know how much time we have as young people, but they have way more energy than old people. And so the Lord's going to invite a continued relationship with him. And I actually love how you spend your mission teaching about the first three covenants and then come home and you learn how to exercise your agency in godlike ways with the last two covenants of the endowment. How beautiful That's is great that? Way to put that. That's amazing. That you can just keep growing in your witness. And then if you can make those covenants and you prove faithful, and you've learned what God's needed you to learn, he welcomes you into his presence in his house. I think it's a beautiful step-by-step process that missionaries have focused on the first part, but I don't know that they always tie that whole thing together as they're in the presentation of the endowment.
3: So, Todd, a lot of times, especially for those that are that are new going to the temple, uh, there's a lot of concern of what we can and cannot share that that fear actually stops us from talking about the temple and and encouraging people in the right way to go to the temple and to participate in the house of the Lord. And and, and so what what direction have we been given on what we can or cannot discuss? I know you've had to had to approach this in, in the class that you're right. teaching. What can and we cannot talk about?
0: Yeah, we start off very, right from the beginning, going to a talk that Elder Bednar gave in 2019, where he addressed this very issue. This is what he said. He said, temple preparation is most effective in our home. But many church members are unsure about what they can appropriately can and cannot be said regarding the temple experience outside the temple. President Ezra Taft Benson described why this uncertainty exists. The temple is a sacred place, and the ordinances in the temple are of a sacred character. Because of its sacredness, we are sometimes reluctant to say anything about the temple to our children and grandchildren, and I think that might apply to return missionaries who, uh, their experience has been uh, limited. So what can I say? What can I talk about with my roommate? Uh, what, What can we talk about outside of the house of the Lord? And Elder Bednar gave two powerful guidelines for addressing how we talk about it. Here's guideline number one. Because we love the Lord, we always should speak about His holy house with reverence. We should not disclose or describe the special symbols associated with covenants we receive in sacred temple ceremonies. Neither should we discuss the holy information that we specifically promise in the temple not to reveal. So think about that. Really, there's three things. One, if I'm having a conversation about the Lord's house, is it respectful? Am I treating it sacred? Or is it in humor or jest? That would be a good caution. Number two, describing, as Brigham Young said, this keyword signs and tokens that enable us to walk back into the presence of God. That's a pretty familiar uh, quote for many, that that's what the endowment is. We don't describe those keyword signs and tokens. That's what Elder Bednar is saying. And in the presentation of the endowment, there's actually things we're asked not to share, so we'll never discuss those items. Guideline number two gives us the leeway to have a wide-open conversation. He said this, "'The temple is the house of the Lord. Everything in the temple points us to our Savior, Jesus Christ. We may discuss the basic purposes of and the doctrine and principles associated with temple ordinances and covenants.'" So as we're talking about the house of the Lord— anything that invites a deeper more meaningful conversation on who Jesus Christ is and how his atoning sacrifice lifts me strengthens me that's what we discuss but the specifics uh, as we follow guideline number 1 from elder bednar we that's like less than 5% of everything that we receive in the presentation of the endowment the temple cer- or the sealing ceremony and the initiatory Everything else is open for us to discuss the principles, the doctrine, and ultimately our Savior Jesus Christ.
3: And I think we also have the the standard works. We have the scriptures uh, where we find so much of the endowment in the scriptures that obviously those scriptures we can talk about and discuss and, and should with our children, with our friends and, and with those that we're trying to help draw closer to the Savior. There's a great website, temples.churchofjesuschrist.org
2: with lots of material. I always have a rule of thumb if it's talked about there. That's under the direction of, of the brethren, and th- that's safe ground as well.
0: So it's, we're
2: fine to discuss anything that, that's on that site.
0: I've often wondered, and one of the most frequently asked questions in my class is, why do we spend 20 minutes on the creation? I don't know how to smash worlds together at this point in time, <laughs> so why do I need to learn that? Um, as you think about everything in the house of the Lord is a pattern of who He is you might know an artist by his artwork. The more you study an artist, the more you see what he's going through in his artwork. For example, a year or two ago, I went to an immersive Vincent van Gogh, and I don't don't really know art very well, uh, but as I learned more about him, and then I witnessed what he created with his artwork, I saw who he was as a person some of the challenges He faced, I would invite us to look at the Creator's creations as His resume for what He can do for you in your life. If the creation is He can separate light from dark, He can make the planets align for you to give you times and seasons in your life. If He creates and it's commanded to bring forth abundantly, we worship a God that sets a pattern for us. It's almost his resume as to why he would make a great God.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And then we get to witness in the presentation of the endowment how God rescues fallen man. So one of the things we talk about with the fall of Adam and Eve is if we study, I mean, because we could study the atonement of Jesus Christ, which is the present, that's our Savior's giving of the atonement. When we study Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and contemplate our own invitation to consider ourselves as Adam and Eve, we're actually studying how to receive the effects of the atonement of Jesus Christ. And so, we have this beautiful, here's the God you worship, and when you forget, here's how He'll rescue you from the fall and i get to be in his
2: house yes <laughs> i get to i get to choose to go be in the house of the man that created this earth and has provided the means for my salvation and my entrance into god's presence and that becomes a privilege something we we work our schedule to make sure that we can, we can have as part of our life, right?
3: And I think about how we're all in the, in the midst of the fall and, and, and challenges and obstacles, you know, we're all, we live in this mortal world, you know, we were promised that it would be filled with thorns and thistles and challenges, and yet uh, I can take time, I can call a time out, Uh, get out of the world for a few moments, be in his house and be tutored and taught of really how I can then rely upon the Savior, how I can face the challenges of of life and the difficulties that come. Uh, And then, okay, timeout's over. Let's go back out into the world, right? And and uh, and let's draw upon the covenants that we've made and, and allow the Savior to be this incredible source of power. Um, I think of what uh, uh, President Nelson said about, about wearing the temple garment, that, that we get to leave the temple with with a garment, a reminder. And he says very simply, wearing the garment faithfully and respectfully gives us greater access to the mercy protection, strength, and power of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And I get to walk out endowed with power, dressed in the holy garment, knowing, trusting that that I have a, a Savior, a Redeemer, someone that can help me meet the challenges that we all face. Everybody's going to experience tragedy, heartache, difficulty. And the Savior says, you're not alone. I'm going to be with you if you want me to.
2: So Todd and Brian, what would you say to the person who feels that wearing the garment is a bit of a burden in their life? It's impacting the clothes I can wear. I'm having a hard time adjusting to it. On social media, they might be hearing people that are minimizing right. the need for it. What would you say to that person who, who does not see it as, as a privilege that Brian just described, right. but is seeing it more as a, a burden?
0: Yeah, let me share an experience. I had a young woman come into my office, and she just said, I just need you to know, I don't like wearing my garments. And I was like, well, then don't. And she goes, well, I don't think that's the right answer, Brother Simmons. (laughs) And I was like, okay, so what do you want me to say? And she goes, I don't know. She goes, well, didn't I make a covenant to wear them? And I said, yes. And we even looked up the statement that says that the wearing of the garment is an outward expression of an inner commitment to follow the Savior, Jesus Christ. And she goes, but I just don't look good in garments. Now, as a man teacher, not saying anything about that, right, her style of dress. So we came up with this. I said, for the next two weeks, only wear your garments when you want one of these two situations. One, you're going to a place where you might just need an added measure of the Savior with you. Just a a representation of, I know where I'm going, I'm going to need him a little more. And the other thing was, if you just also want to just say, I'm going someplace and I just want him to know I'm his. And she goes, okay, I'll do that. She came back after two weeks, walked into my office, she said, Brother Simmons, you're a jerk. (laughs) I was like, why (laughs) am I a jerk? And she just looked at me and said, when would I not want the Savior's help? And I said, now we're talking about something totally different. You were talking about an article of clothing the last time you came. If all you ever see is an article of clothing that you've been asked to wear, no answer will be sufficient for you. But as soon as you change it from that to a personal relationship with God, as we think about the initiatory, you might ask yourself, What's required of me in the initiatory, the initiation, or the initial part of the presentation of the endowment? Really, it's all blessings. From head to toe, God says, I'm going to pour out blessings upon you. There is no other organization on the planet where your initiation into something is going to be all blessings, and yet that's how the Lord operates— He says, if I'm going to ask you to follow me, I need you to understand how I see our relationship. And if the wearing of the garment is that expression that I recognize that he loves me, then it's not a burden because I want him to know I'm his.
2: Yeah. When Adam and Eve first partook of the fruit, the first thing they noticed is that they were naked and they wanted to be covered and so their initial thought was, okay, I'm going to get a a fig leaf apron. And, and right. obviously that didn't do the job and they still right. felt naked. And when the Lord came into the garden, they were hiding, which tells us the fig leaf apron, the man's solution for coverage didn't do anything for them. And the Lord basically in essence told them, I have a better covering for you. And that's when he gave them the coat of skin, which is... You know, a full leather covering, a full leather suit, which would, would be long lasting, would be comfortable, would be protective, would be kind of permanent. And I love how we learn in the Lord's house that that coat of skin, that's the garment represents that coat of skin. And in order for Adam and Eve to be covered, an animal had to die. In order for us to be covered, Jesus Christ died so that we could be covered, which we know the atonement means to cover And so I always just think of, I want that coverage. I want the Savior wrapped around me, that constant reminder of him through the garment. Other thoughts, Brian?
3: Well, and I think it's important to know who the garment represents. Uh, we We get this great scripture in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, having boldness to enter into the holiest, think of the celestial room, by the blood of Jesus which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. President Nelson said, your garment is symbolic of the veil. The veil is symbolic of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when you put on your garment, you may feel that you are truly putting upon yourself the very sacred symbol of the Lord Jesus Christ, his life, his ministry, and his mission, which was to atone for every daughter and Son of God, and so in, in ancient days they, they killed an animal, right, yeah, and they wore yeah. a, a garment of animal skin. Once the Savior atoned, uh, that that law was fulfilled. Uh, today we don't wear animal skin. PETA would probably be happy about that, <laughs> but we wear a garment that looks like the veil. And the veil represents Jesus Christ and and reminds us of our covenants. And so there's great power to get up every day, wash yourself clean, and then think about... I can go through the motions just like I can attend the temple, Right. right? But think about the Savior's life, His ministry, His atoning sacrifice, the promised blessings you talked about in the initiatory... And I get to put him on. And so when I'm casual, it's not what I'm setting aside, but who am I setting aside? I I don't need your help today. Right. I'm good. And there's just very few moments that I feel good that I don't need him, right?
0: Right. And don't we literally, as you you read that and shared that, we literally become walking houses of the Lord. If our foundation is centered on Jesus Christ... I know who I worship and what I worship. I'm blessed, anointed, consecrated. Uh, My life is dedicated to holiness to the Lord because I've taken upon myself the covenants of the endowment. I literally become a walking house of the Lord, complete with the symbols of entering into God's presence. And I think a real beautiful symbol is how our temples shine. Well, would we be any less as radiant in spiritual spirituality as those who are walking around in darkness and don't know where to look until they see an individual who's endowed with power from on high and is a covenant member of our Savior's kingdom? I think it's a beautiful imagery. So, I get that there is in the world that we live in this wrestle, but I think that's when we have to elevate and go, wait a minute, who's asking me to wear the garment? And why is he asking me to wear the garment? Changes the invitation from a style to worship. Yeah.
2: And, and it becomes that sacred privilege. Yes. It
3: reminds me of uh, going back to the style, and I think that does influence the return missionary and, and those that set it aside. It doesn't fit in the world, if you will. Uh, Elder Elton Perry, do you remember Elder Perry, great apostle? Right. Can I hear his voice right now. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, today the, the, the young people have those. that They'll, they'll look back and remember those voices. But, but he was asked, what is the storm or cloud on the horizon for our young people? His response, worldliness. He was asked, how do we curb that in our youth? His response, help them prepare and worship properly in the temple to make and keep covenants. Being in the house of the Lord, wearing the temple garment will help us curb worldliness.
0: President Nelson, to keep that thought going, said, my brothers and sisters, when renovations of the Salt Lake Temple are completed, there will be no safer place during an earthquake in the Salt Lake Valley than inside that temple. Likewise, whenever... Any kind of upheaval occurs in your life, the safest place to be spiritually is living with inside your temple covenants. I love in this talk, he invited us to consider exactly how we're going to move forward, right? And I love this. He said said that the Lord has declared that despite today's unprecedented challenges, those who build their foundations upon Jesus Christ— and have learned to draw upon his power, need not succumb to the unique anxieties of this era. He invited us to do ex- take extraordinary measures and do unprecedented things. And I thought, well, what's extraordinary? I guess I could feed all the kids in Africa. That would be kind of fun. Uh, but I had someone share with me that, no, if you want to be extraordinary, just add a little extra to your ordinary. I can do that. And when I give that offering to the Lord, the little extra to my ordinary, with Christ, it becomes extraordinary. It might be extraordinary in my roommate's life, a companion, an old companion who may be struggling's life. When I add the extra to my ordinary in worshiping Jesus Christ, the Lord magnifies that. The challenge for me is to find, okay, what am I going to do that's unprecedented? The adversary loves to throw in our way all of the roadblocks that would keep us from doing what the Lord invites us to do. But if we'll ask him, what do you want me to do that's unprecedented? I've never tried before. I think too many times we're afraid of failing. But you know, as a missionary, there's no failure because you become closer to Christ even through rejection. You and your companionship become stronger even in rejection. And you never know the effects of someone hearing a witness of Jesus Christ. So if I'm going to take unprecedented measures in following Jesus Christ, then there's only success that can come from that kind of a relationship. I
2: love, I love, if I hear you say this. I can do something a little extra, a little little different. And and some might be overwhelmed with, whoa, that's this seems like a lot for me to get to the level of where I am now to to what you're talking about. And the great thing is is we have a lifetime to go to the Lord's house and to learn grace for grace, as the scripture we read said in section 93, little by little. What will you do this year to make your worship in the house of the Lord a little extra ordinary? a little different if if it's been mundane and if it's felt like you're going through the motions what can you do this year to put a different slant on it maybe it's i'm going to call it the house of the lord and i'm going to be thinking about that when i walk through the doors or you might have some goal about the frequency of your attendance or or your attitude but if i think if everybody will just do something throughout our lifetime we will grow into an appreciation for the lord's house Todd, you mentioned President Nelson, and he's had a lot to say on this subject. I'd like to just play a quick clip, and then maybe have you react to this clip. Sure. Um, he's going to refer to our spiritual foundation and uh, and the Savior, and I'd love to just hear your thoughts about this this clip from President Nelson as we begin to wrap up here.
1: If you and I are to withstand the forthcoming perils and pressures. It is imperative that we each have a firm spiritual foundation built upon the rock of our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. So I ask each of you, how firm is your foundation? And what reinforcements to your testimony and understanding of the gospel are needed The temple lies at the center of strengthening our faith and spiritual fortitude because the Savior and his doctrine are the very heart of the temple. He endows us with his healing, strengthening power. And oh, how we will need his power in the days ahead. I love that. Um,
0: as our, our prophet teaches us, notice that he didn't say we need you to go do a lot of proxy work. We need you to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's where the strength comes. Uh, Jesus Christ is the one that is the source of all comfort, all healing, all power. I had an experience one night uh, cleaning in the Payson Utah Temple— And I got the best assignment, which was to dust the celestial room, something you don't do very quickly (laughs) because it's beautiful. And I found myself just dusting the chairs and the end tables and found myself at the middle table in the middle of the celestial room. And as I dusted the top of it, I just had this simple thought of, well, I wonder when someone dusted the feet of this table. And so all alone at like 11 o'clock at night, In the celestial room, I knelt in front of the feet of this table, and the language of the Scriptures, perhaps the eyes of my understanding, opened for a moment, and I found myself kneeling at His feet, still with a dust rag in my hand in front of a table, but what I experienced was the Savior Jesus Christ in my presence. That kind of experience, while very sacred, if we're looking for him, if we're seeking the Savior in his house, and not just going to get things done, as returned missionaries, finding yourself in his house with him, the revelation will come unique to each person. I testify that Jesus Christ is in his house. The strengthening, healing power will be unique to every single person as they go and spend time with our Savior. I know he lives. I know he is there in his house. He's told me. And every time I go, I feel it. And I share that witness in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. (laughs) We
2: hope you have enjoyed this episode of the Preach My Gospel podcast. If you feel this podcast might be helpful to others, please invite them to join us for our next episode. Don't forget to subscribe using the link found in the episode notes to submit questions and offer suggestions. For more information about Institute and other offerings from the Utah Valley Institute of Religion, please visit utahvalleyinstitute.com. You may also find us on Instagram at preachmygospelpodcast. The Preach My Gospel podcast is produced with permission from the Utah Valley Institute of Religion. The hosts are expressing their personal views based on their experiences, applying the principles of Preach My Gospel, and accept full responsibility for the content in these episodes.